Welcome to podcast 54 from Football Alanya, your home of Dutch football. I'm Michael Statham and I'm with Mike Bell to discuss the Nations League semi-final win for the Netherlands, 3-1 over England, and preview the final against Portugal. We're available on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes. We hope you enjoy this podcast as usual and make sure to hit that like button if you enjoyed and subscribe if you're new to Football Alanya. Enjoy. Mike, um, I'm... We, we both watched the semi-final and a great result. Are you happy with the way the Netherlands played or are you more pleased with the result itself? I'm very pleased with the result. I think the game had a few nitpicks for me. Um, you know, I think Netherlands were definitely the better side and they were unlucky to go behind because it was just a, a freak error from the Ligt when Netherlands were looking so comfortable on, on the ball. Um, they were dominating, they were creating chances. Just to, for me, the, the free up front, I think Bergwijn had one of his best games in the Netherlands shirt, but Ryan Babo was anonymous and in front of goal, Memphis had a bit of an off day. I think he was snatching at chances and he was being a bit selfish and shooting in good areas when he could have had maybe a pass. I think the main one I noticed was when he took it off Kyle Walker and raced in on goal. He had the space to keep going, but he decided to shoot early. It was weak, and then he tried a spectacular overhead kick and, you know, just fell on his arse. Um, I thought that the more Netherlands pushing, it wasn't happening. And I thought it was going to be one of those frustrating days where it was going to be a mistake that really, you know, got England to win and now it had been it. But, you know, I got a praise Ronald Koeman. I think he got his substitutes spot on, bringing on. Van der Beek and promise, and the game changed in the second half. Everyone's got even more chances, and Delict made up for his, um, his error. But even then, I think England pushed strongly. We were a bit lucky that VAR was there and it was inches offside for Lingard. But yeah, in the extra time, I think England were probably going into the extra time thinking that they were going to be the stronger side. But again, Cumin made a change, brought on David Proper, and they got that midfield battle won again. And, yeah, you can see that it was down to England mistakes and everyone's won, but it was mainly due to Memphis Depay's constant pressing. If he wasn't running about as much as he was in extra time, the mistakes probably didn't happen. So you've got to praise him and um, the way he kept on going in that extra time when he was probably really tired. I think he said afterwards that he had cramp um, in the second half, so he kept going. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to the, the final on Sunday because I think it's definitely a big chance for everyone to win a trophy. That was a great recap of the match and I agree with your assessment of Memphis Depay. I thought he was awesome um, when you consider his work rate. Because on the night, it didn't feel like it was going to be um, one of his better performances for the Netherlands considering how important he's been. And yet, he's the one who's responsible for the fact that the Dutch won. He's, I think he kind of figured out that it might not be his night front of goal, but he knew by working hard and by never giving up he can make up for it and he proved equally as effective um, yet again. I saw a stat that you tweeted out, Mike, and it was it the last 15 games he's been responsible for a goal or assist every single match? Yeah, I mean, for me this season, the Memphis Depay has got a lot of criticism, but it's mainly because he's not scoring goals. But if you actually look at his assist record this season, it's great. And there's not very many people in France that have more than him. And even for... Since Ronald Koeman's taken over, 
Now he's been involved in 15 goals, eight goals and seven assists, which is way more than any other player in this Dutch side. I think Van Dijk scored four and Promise has contributed four, I think three goals and one assist. So if you take Memphis out of this team, it, the attack loses something. I do think that this team is short of a finisher, of being like a world-class team again. I think they need to find a striker because I think Memphis obviously could switch to the wings and be just as effective or if even play behind a striker and sort of a number 10 role. So if everyone can just find that finisher who would score the goals, then I think they've got pretty much one of the best sides in world football at the moment when you consider the defence in the field. Um, I I can see what you're trying to say when you say that, but I quite like how Memphis creates all these opportunities for the Netherlands. That clinical finisher is important, but I think if you play him in the 10 role behind a world-class striker, that then you lose something from the midfield. I think the only other option then is to play Memphis on the wing and then he can provide for those in the middle. But I think he, having that sort of free role in attack is what's making the Netherlands so dangerous at the moment by being able to rely more, a bit more on the pace. Um, Berkvine was dangerous in moments against England, but maybe not as showing as much quality as he, as he can do on a bigger stage. Um, I would argue perhaps because he's yet to make a proper step from that level in the Eredivisie up to a Champions League um, international level. Um, and on the other wing, Babel was working hard again and made a few chances. But I think he, it was far more effective for Koeman to bring on Promise. And yeah, he was re directly responsible for the goals next time. Do you think that there's a case to start him and Donny van der Beek against Portugal in the final? Definitely. I think that both players that came on changed the game in everyone's favour. And, you know, a player like Martin Durin is important, but not against teams that sit back. Um, I think England were quite defensive at times, and when you have somebody like Martin Durin, who's not, say, a great passer of the ball or can't really do much going forward, you're sort of playing with 10 men because he is just basically a tackler who works really hard and, and gets possession back. But when you need something a bit more going forward, somebody like Donny van der Beek, who can do both roles, is much more effective because he can play in that number six where you can help out defensively and then be box to box, or he can play further forward in a number 10. So I think that works much more for the balance of the team and, and promise he's just got so much more pace about him than Babo does. And yeah, he seems to have turned it around for Nevers. I never really thought he was that effective until more recently, you know, he scored in to get the draw against Germany, got us back into the game in that two two that got us to the semi final. And, you know, he was worth his weight in gold against England. I think he got a bit lucky because, you know, when I Ball came back off of Pickford. His shot was going wide, and it was lucky that it took the deflection off of Kyle Walker. But yeah, the second finish was great. You saw that Van der Beek and Memphis both skied chances like that throughout the match. But yeah, he found a net with it. So I think both of them definitely have a case to start. I think that Freeman has a decision to make because I think there'll be a lot of tired legs after that game. So there might be more than two or three changes that might need to be made going into the into the final to make sure that. Everyone's are firing all cylinders and not just a bit tired. Yeah, and you've got still Van Aldem who played that match just after the Champions League final, so he's probably also going to be quite tired now. Uh, and Portugal get that extra day's rest, which is arguably a little bit unfair, but 
they are the host for tournament they get that little bit of an advantage um i was just going to ask you mike what you thought about um the other teams in this tournament um the way england played yesterday Dillon wasn't so needed because frankie could probably have played that deep role himself next to donny van der Beek. england were quite defensive and sort of stay within a containing shell and limit the chances for the netherlands and when you look at the lineups for Portugal and Switzerland in the other semi-final, Portugal again playing with four at the back, but three deeper midfielders behind um, three attackers who are largely left to go and attack on their own. And Switzerland as well, who played a back five against Portugal. What's up with the negative tactics? And is it just me or do the Netherlands look a, a lot more positive in the way they line up? I guess is it just, just the Dutch way that they would never play so negative? Yeah, I think... Now it's the Dutch way. I think you had it under Louis van Gaal where we did play with five defenders, but I think Netherlands now have a team with Frenkie de Jong that can be more positive. And there's no reason for us to play with a back five or go into a game not thinking we can win now because we have somebody that's world-class like Frenkie de Jong who can tr control a game against anyone. You know, I've seen it against France, Germany, now England. Frenkie de Jong, even in the Champions League, coming up against the likes of Modric, you know, he bettered them all. And against England, there's just another masterclass from the midfielder. And he's the difference, I think, for this Netherlands side. Because if we didn't have him, someone who can take the ball in any position on the pitch and just maintain possession wherever he is and keep it calm, you know, other sides don't have that. England don't have that. England didn't have a midfielder who can just take the ball and keep possession. You know, maybe you have somebody like Harry Winks who maybe should have played instead of some of the players that did, because when I saw their lineup, I looked at that midfield and thought, yeah, Netherlands have a great chance here. I think if you did a comparison of two teams, you'd say England's front three might have been a bit stronger, but Netherlands had a stronger midfield. And I think that made a big difference in the game because you saw it when Rashford had to go off, they lost a bit of pace up front, and Kane, you know, he struggles against Van Dijk in the Champions League. and. Against De Ligt and Van Dijk, he had no chance. He hardly could get involved. Same when Dele Alli came on extra time. I just think the Netherlands have a lot more about them that can control these games now. And they are just that maybe one attacker away from being one of the best sides that can maybe compete for the European Championship next year or a World Cup in two, three years. Because I think that is now where Netherlands are at. They're that good that they can just go out now and beat anybody on their day. Yeah, and you're going to have players such as Delict who are going to be the, that few years older, on top of how good they are already. What did you make of Delict's performance last night? Because it was just so satisfying, wasn't it? Wasn't it to see him concede that penalty, but then score that equaliser? When I imagine a lot of people in between those two incidents were thinking, "Well, that Delict, he's only 19, overrated, can't be that good, can he?" Yeah, I think this is the problem with you know something like social media. Everyone wants to jump on. A bandwagon and when somebody that's so over you know laid on twitter they see it they, they wait for him to make a mistake and then they jump on it and go oh you see he's overrated or why everyone want to pay 80 million from when they've probably not watched them all season for ajax being dominant or in the champions league he was crucial for ajax getting to where they did and it's quite a mirror of the game against tottenham where he was the one that got the first goal with an absolute towering header and it's the same again this time. He's such a threat in the box that from corners or free kicks, 
he's a weapon. Um, I think I saw a Dutch journalist today quoted saying that he sees delict head the ball harder than people can actually shoot it. You know, that's that's a major weapon for Netherlands going forward. And I think that it was very satisfying that he got all that criticism after making an error and it was him that got the equaliser and it was him that kept Harry Kane so quiet. He saw it when it, Kane was trying to go up for headers, he was just pushing Delict over because Delict was getting there before him and he was keeping him in his pocket basically. Van Dijk, I think, had a more calmer evening as he always does. I think everyone on Twitter was loving that point where maybe Sterling pushed him off the ball, but Van Dijk got right back there and you know, pushed him over and got the ball at the same time. I think the two of them are just the best world-class centre-back pairing in world football for me. And they're going to be playing together for the next five, six years at least. So they're only going to get better. And it's worth mentioning that Delict is only 19. I think he turns 20 next week. And he's playing at a world-class level already. If he gets maybe a bit stronger, you know, he is going to be the best centre-back in the world in two, three, four years. Yeah, I totally agree with that assessment again. Uh, whenever I'm lucky enough to be invited onto other radio shows, for example, podcasts, um, I always speak about Van Dyke and Delict. It's one of the first things I say because I, just, I, I just, I totally agree. They're going to be the best centre back partnership in the world if they're not already. But it can only get better the more they play together. And let's see where Delict goes in the summer if he can improve even more. He might benefit from that move to Barcelona if he can get it. Um, but we spoke on that about that already. I think he'll do well wherever he goes. Let's see on that one. Let's look ahead to the final against Portugal. And do you see it as like a quite a similar game to England? Because for me, they the Portugal lineup looked fairly negative, like England, a midfield trio who aren't out to attack so much. And there's a reliance on star players to provide with the to provide the goods. Um and may we also see a repeat of Delict uh, marking Ronaldo completely out of the game. He can handle Ronaldo already. We've seen he can handle Kane. Can he do it again against Ronaldo? Yeah, I think um, Netherlands will take big confidence from the fact that they recently played Portugal maybe a year ago and beat them 3-0. And you know, Delict in that game was absolutely towering against Ronaldo, kept him quiet throughout. You know, it's a home match for them in front of a crowd that probably expects them to win it and they'll go into the game as favourites. But I think that De Ligt's already shown this season in the Champions League and last year against Portugal, he can handle Ronaldo. And if you put somebody like Van Dijk in there as well, you have the best chance of keeping him quiet. And if you can keep him quiet, you nullify a lot of what's great about this Portugal side. We've seen it before how De Ligt can handle Ronaldo so well. And you said there, oh, it's a home match for Portugal, but... Portugal nil Netherlands three not too long ago. Um, what do you think Portugal might learn from that lesson? Really, quite strongly actually. Yeah, I think that you know Portugal have a few new players on the team that are doing really well. Um, you know Bernardo Silva as a, a star for Manchester City. I think he'll be one to watch for Netherlands. And Yao Felix is getting hyped a lot for his performance from Benfica. Um, I've not really seen much of him. I don't think he really featured in the, the Champions League games against. Ajax, so I'll be quite excited to see how he does. Um, it'll be one of the first times watching him. I don't think he had a great game against Switzerland. I don't think many of the Portugal players had a great game against Switzerland, except for you know, Ronaldo, who did 
the business for them. You know, two late goals, but from what I had, Switzerland were quite unlucky throughout the game, and because Portugal quite a lot of problems, seemed to have more possession and more shots than they did throughout the match. So for me, it comes down to can Netherlands keep Silva and Ronaldo quiet? Because if they nullify them two, you nullify a lot of what's good about this Portugal side, and I think that's what's going to be crucial for winning it. Kimmin needs to pick a side that isn't tired and can go the full 90 minutes so we can make sure that you man-mark players like Silva and Ronaldo out of the game. And then I think Portugal in a final in home style might be a bit more expansive than England were and they might open up a bit more than England did and that might give Netherlands some space on the counter-attack which was so deadly against them um, when they won 3-0 it was basically three counter-attacking goals so if Portugal try and attack Netherlands you know that if they can get a ball over the top the likes of Promise, Bergvine and Memphis can race through the middle and get those goals so hopefully that's how the game's going to go I hope Portugal come out want to attack because that will just give Netherlands what they need which is space. I also think that another way to get at Portugal is to use the width. They're, they employ quite a narrow system and it was good to see Dumfries um, quite high up on that right hand side almost playing as a right winger in attacks. And I think it's important that a lot of attacks come down that side rather than the left hand side. We've got Dave Blint who'd have to come all the way up the left left hand side and he might get caught out on his runs tracking back. So yeah, I think uh, playing Dumfries and Berkvine down the right-hand side might be good to see again and used a bit more than it was against England. Uh, just a final note on Portugal's attacking threats. I was excited to see Felix play well, um, but didn't put in a good performance against Switzerland. Uh, there's always a chance that he could pull it out of the bag in that final against the Netherlands, but maybe he's not quite ready yet, maybe he's a little bit still too young to carry some of Portugal's biggest threats. Um, but I think you're right with Ronaldo and Silva, get them out of the game and then Portugal lose a lot of their um, lot of their danger men. But you've always got to be careful with Neves, who's got a great shot on him as well. But otherwise, I, I was pretty impressed with the way the Dutch defended and mainly kept England at bay. And I, I agree with um, with someone having to sit in deep midfield to try and mark that attacking midfielder, probably going to be silver. But uh, yeah, I, I think De Jong could probably do that. And if he's quick onto the ball and he's sharp, De Jong should be enough. And that would allow Van der Beek to play. And then he got a bit more got a bit more legs um, in that midfield. So just a sort of final assessment ahead of the match. Would you play Promes and Van der Beek? In, in, and finish with sorry start that match against Portugal with the map the lineup that, that finished against England. Yeah, I would. I would even be tempted if you know, Adam played the whole whole match, the whole 120 minutes. I would maybe even think about starting uh, David Proper in there as well with a midfield of Frankie Proper and Van der Beek against against Portugal. I think when Proper came on, he was he was very good. I just keep in possession. He keeps everything calm. I think the three of them would work well together and promise up front instead of instead of Babel. I think you'll offer a lot more pace, especially if Netherlands do get space on the counter-attack because for me, this Portugal defence doesn't look very strong. So I think that if Netherlands can get those chances, they can definitely score some goals. So it's all very exciting then. And it's a big final. This is 
not as big as the Euros or the World Cup, but this is a final for the Netherlands and it's a big occasion. It would be massive if they're able to win it. Um, I just wanted to get your prediction, Mike. Yeah, I think it's one of these tournaments that as long as you're still in it, it is important. But if you get knocked out of it, you kind of downplay the importance of it. I think there's a lot of English journalists probably just going, nah, it's, it's only the Nations League, it doesn't really matter. But I'm pretty sure if they got to the final and they won it, there'd be parades on the streets. So uh, I think Netherlands winning it would be big for the country, their second ever major trophy after the 1988 European Championships. It'd be a great end to the season. And it'll be another showcase that this Dutch side is getting back to where they belong amongst uh, the world's best. And you know, I was positive about getting a result against England. I said 2-1. And I'm going to say the Netherlands going to win this game 2-0. I'm going to go for a 2-0 final win. Netherlands left the trophy. Boys, confident. Um, for myself, I think if... It's Ronaldo's night, it's Ronaldo's night, and Portugal get that win. Uh, but if it could be kept quiet, then I don't see why we don't make the most of the pace on the counter-attack, and we don't see Memphis or Pumas bagging a goal. Uh, I think it will be tight. I'm not sure it'll be quite as open as Netherlands-England ended up being. Going to extra time might cause that, though. It might cause the game to open up. Um, but if it's quite level pegging, quite a close match, I could see it going to something like penalties if it came to it. Um, what a way for a final to be decided on penalties. But I'm going to be optimistic and I'm going to say that it isn't Ronaldo's night and it isn't Silva's night. And the Netherlands can be clinical on the counter-attack and they get a goal and they win 1-0. But it's going to be um, a great match and obviously very exciting for all the Netherlands fans that are going to be watching and listening to the match. I'm going to make one more prediction for this game and that is that Ronaldo didn't like Virgil van Dijk's comments that Lionel Messi should win the Ballon d'Or and he's seen all the stats that van Dijk's never, not been dribbled past this season. I expect that every single time Ronaldo gets the ball he's going to try and dribble past van Dijk and try and embarrass him and prove that you know he was wrong saying that Messi should win the Ballon d'Or because it's it's him that's the, the main man. So if uh, Virgil van Dijk can take him out of the game, then yeah, I think that's a big plus for Netherlands. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's gotten found these stats and heard this news. And yeah, I would 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 definitely back him to go and make a bit of a fool of himself because he thinks he's better than van Dijk. But we'll, we'll soon see. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah, thanks, Mike. And let's hope that our predictions are right and the Netherlands win the Nations League the first ever Nations League, which I don't think any of us would still understand how it works or why it even exists by the end of it, even though we've got a winner. <laughs> yeah, if everyone's win, they get, I think, 9 million euros, which is nice for them. Um, there's not really much else except for another trophy in the cabinet. Well, either way, um, we look forward to the match and thanks to those that have listened. Make sure that you like this video and subscribe if you are listening to us on YouTube or iTunes or even SoundCloud too, and keep up to date with whatever else we've got to offer.